evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the February 8th, 2015 edition of Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nahum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Every week, we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know. Friend me on Facebook. You can send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wise Guy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade. And as we get to playoff time, just remember that if you have won a championship already, you have already benefited from their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship. So please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing accomplishments and efforts of these kids with you each and every week. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll be able to access all of our shows from this season and last season, and you'll also be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice, though. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. Hi again, everyone, and a happy Sunday to you all. I don't know why it is, but for the last couple of weeks, and this week is no exception, we come on the air, and one of the first things we're going to discuss is snow. So, this past week, after Super Sunday, uh, there was another snow, I guess you would call it a snow storm, that canceled games uh, over the early week, and there is a threat of more snow this week. Uh, with playoffs coming this week, that can make for quite a mess. So hopefully it won't disrupt things too much. I hope you're all having a much better week than Pete Carroll is after the Super Bowl. I also hope that everyone enjoyed the special presentation that we had last week. Many of you were very thankful that you didn't have to miss the big game in order to listen to last week's court report. We had a very close scare with the first half going by very quickly, but thankfully the teams complied and we were able to get our full show in before the NSN Halftime Spectacular with Soul Farm. If you haven't quite seen it yet, please go to the NSN homepage at knockhamsequel.com and take a look. Before we get to this week's episode, I I wanted to weigh in on my thoughts for the end of last week's game. As 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 one coach to another, from taking a look at what happened on that last play, or the last play for the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, it looked to me like Pete Carroll sort of let his ego get the better of him. So here's the situation. Pete Carroll, in the Super Bowl, facing his old team, having his old team on the ropes, down to one yard line. It's second down. So he's thinking, I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, I'm going to go with the run. So they're going to prepare for the run. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go a different way, and I'm going to outsmart them. I am going to pass the ball. Now, I know the whole, uh, you know, that whole argument of, oh, well, they didn't have their goal line package in, and they wouldn't have been ready to, to uh, match up with New England, but they had just rushed for a, n- a nice amount of rushing yardage to get to the one-yard line. 
Marshawn Lynch had been the best back all year for, arguably the best back all year. So, if you're telling me that Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl, behind that, behind that line, couldn't get the one yard he needed, I don't buy that. What I buy is that Pete Carroll let his ego get the better of him, and he outsmarted himself. In an effort to try to show that he knew better than the person that replaced him, Bill Belichick, he got too cutesy, and in the end, he decided, it messed himself over because instead of going with what brought him to the uh, what brought him to the you know to the ball the the dance that he the dance the date that he brought to the dance he ended up with a pumpkin. So just a lesson for coaches: don't try to get too cutesy. You, when you when you get too cutesy, you get away with what worked for you, and in the end, that could be your downfall, especially as we get closer to playoff time. So. Just a little word of advice from me to you, um, and to Pete Carroll for the future. Now, back to Yeshiva League Sports. On this week's episode, we're going to finish off our look at the 2014-2015 regular season, as virtually all playoff spots have been decided, with the exception of one area, which you'll see as we go along. In varsity basketball, Frisch looks to round out a perfect season, and Heschel looks to avoid falling down the West charts, while Flatbush looks to stay alive in the playoff hunt. In JV basketball, Frisch and MTA do battle for the second seed in the West with an extremely surprising result. In varsity hockey, TABC and DRS square off in what could be a playoff preview. And in JV hockey, Hefter fights for its playoff lives against Flatbush this week. Also, back to varsity basketball for a second. Seedings were announced, well not seedings, but the teams for the 2015 Sarachek tournament were announced last night. So we'll go through those as well before we finish off tonight's episode with girls sports. So right now, we're going to start off our playoff preview session with JV Hockey. So of course, as you know, because of more bad weather over the week, Super Monday did not actually happen as planned. Instead, those games were jumbled throughout the rest of the week, and we, and instead, you know, Wednesday and Thursday became the major days, with Wednesday deciding the remaining unresolved issues in the West, and Thursday doing the same for the East. Let's start out in the West and take a look at the teams coming into the week. SAR led the division at uh, 16 points with a 9-0 record. TABC held 14 points at 7-2. Frisch had 12 points at 6-3. And And JEC and MTA were tied at 10 with uh, 5 wins and 3 losses for JEC and 5 wins and 5 losses for MTA. So there were 3 games played, but only one that really, really mattered, and that being the Frisch TABC game on Wednesday night. Why did this game matter so much? Well, depending on who won, the division could basically be decided and the playoff spots confirmed. If TABC won, the Storm would find themselves in sole possession of second place in the division, clinching a home game against the number three team in the East. Frisch would then potentially be in trouble, because they would finish at 6-4, and four, only two points ahead of JEC, while JEC could reel in two more victories or some derivative thereof that could result in at least three points, and at that point, they would have the advantage. Remember, Frisch defeated them 3-2, so Frisch had the tiebreaker over JEC, so anything that would keep them tied would go to Frisch, but JEC would have a chance to catapult uh, out of the playing game and over Frisch should they get three or more points in their last three games. Again, in the last, in the last game, my, my apologies. Now, what that means is that a Frisch win, though, Frisch ties with TABC at 14 points, then you have yourself a tie. So Frisch were to grab the win at home, a place where they've been seller all year, 
losing only to SAR in a come-from-behind win by the Sting last week that sealed the division. The Cougars would have landed in a tie for second place with the Storm, and with even tiebreakers, it would mean a coin flip for the second seed. So let's take you back to last month in TABC. In that game, the Storm uh, escaped, essentially, with a 2-1 victory behind the goaltending of Refi Minsky. And so the question is here, would they be able to buckle down a second time and lock up the second seed? Uh, suffice it to say, this time around, they would not be so lucky. Frisch came out firing on all cylinders and at every chance. Uh, the Cougars pounded TABC all night, handing the Storm their worst loss ever by the score of 9 to nothing. Following the game, the two coaches met in the Frisch Athletic Office for an official coin flip. Cruel cold metal and ugly, uncaring lady luck would decide the fate of these two teams, and by the end of the night, Frisch had earned two victories, taking with it the second team, the second, or the second seed, and the first round home game. We'll get to their first round opponent shortly, but first, because of how it fell out, the remaining playoff spots for the West were determined. SAR, as we know, already had the one seed locked up, MTA the five seed. Now we knew that Frisch would get the 2, TABC the 3, and as a result, JEC the 4. So as a result of that, the remaining two games on the week were virtually meaningless. SAR picked up a victory over JEC 11-1 to to complete their perfect regular season. You can tell how this game was always going to go when you hear that the one JEC goal was scored by Jason Silverstein, JEC's stellar goaltender getting the night out of the cage and playing offense. JEC would have one more game to play with Hillel, also a pointless game. Uh, JEC would end up taking that one four to nothing. Time to move over to the East. Let's remind you of where the playoff teams were going into the week. Rombaum had a perfect 9-0 record going with 18 points. DRS right behind them having finished off their season last Saturday night with a record of 8-2, 16 points. Flatbush right behind them at 7-2 with 14 points. Hank at 5-4-0-1. 11 points, and the two teams still battling for a playoff spot, North Shore, their season finished at 4-5-0-1-1 with 9 points, and Hafter, still in action at 4-5 with 8 points. The week started off Wednesday night with yet another meaningless game, Rambam and Shari Torah. Rambam went out and gave the time to the kids that hadn't played much all year, which is a proper thing to do in a game like this, and Rambam walked away with a 5-0 win to also lock up a perfect season at 10-0. They, as they've been for a while now, are the East number one seed. Shari Tora finishes their season at one and nine, but credit goes out to a few players on that team who've stuck through it all year, including netminder David Sutton, who really showcased incredible skill while facing a ridiculous amount of shots the entire season. Hopefully for them, this is the beginning of a process that takes them through the progression of improvement to the point of contention with the rest of the league. All in all, for a first year, I believe they've succeeded in their initial ventures. Thursday night would prove to be the drama that the East was looking for, though, when Flatbush and Hafter took to the court to round out the East regular season schedule. For Hafter, following the 3-0 loss to DRS last Saturday night, this was the Hawks' final chance at a playoff berth, hanging in the balance, North Shore's playoff spot. For Hafter, only a win would grant them postseason access. For Flatbush, the game itself really held no meaning, as not even beating uh, not even beating them would 
meeting Hafter, which would put them tied with DRS, would yield any positional movement out of the third seed. For the first half of the game, one would have thought that Flopwish was a team in desperate need of a victory. Uh, the Falcons charged out of the gate, putting pressure on the Hawks, pinning them in their own zone for the for much of the first period. The pressure would result in the game's first goal two minutes in, when Murray Dweck poked in a Joey Habert shot that half the goalie Elijah Glaubach couldn't handle, giving Flopwish the one nothing lead. Two minutes later, Daniel Salzberger would tie up the game for the Hawks, depositing a loose ball in front of the Flopwish net into the cage. The next 12 minutes, though, would be all Flopwish. The Falcons would score twice, a minute after the Hawk goal, and 15 seconds into the second period, on goals by Burt Robinson and Joey Haber to take a 3-1 lead. Flopwish looked to be in complete control until four minutes into the second period, when Hafter was able to chip the lead down to one on a David Ganonski tally. From there on out, the game would belong to Jacob Kramer. The freshman would score three times in the last half of the game, including a shorthander, a power play goal, and an even strength goal to lead Hafter past Flopwish and into the fifth spot in the East, sending North Shore on to their offseason. Before we dive into the playoffs, let's take a look at the final regular season rankings for the 2014-2015 season. Finishing at the top spot in the rankings, the regular season rankings, is Rombaum, as they've been most of the year in the one spot. In the two spot is SAR. DRS finishes in three. Frisch in four, moving all the way up from eighth to fifth is Hafter, hitting their stride, jumping over Flopwish with their win, Flopwish in sixth. TABC dropping to 7th all the way down after their huge 9-0 loss to Frisch, and JEC falling from 7th into 8th after their loss to SAR. Uh, in 9th uh, will be Hank still, North Shore at 10, MTA at 11, Mag and David at 12, Ramaz at 13, Hillel, Westchester, Shari Torah, and Darche Erez rounding out 14 through 17 in the JV League. So now here are all 10 teams. Uh, they are set and they are as follows. In the East, Rambam takes the top spot, DRS the 2, Flopush the 3, Hank the 4, Hafter the 5. In the West, SAR is the 1, Frisch the 2, TABC the 3, JEC the 4, and MTA the 5. This sets up the following bracket. In what we will call the Rambam bracket, East number 1 Rambam will face the winner of the play-in game between West number 4 JEC and East number 5 Hafter. And West number 2 Frisch will host East number 3 Flatbush. That's one half. In the SAR bracket, West number 1 SAR will face the winner of the play-in game between East number 4 Hank and West number 5 MTA. That game will take place tomorrow night. The winner of that game will face the winner of East number 2 DRS and West number 3 TABC. The two playing games will need to take place over the next week, and one, like I said, is already scheduled, is already scheduled for tomorrow night. Um, we'll preview that in a second. The two to three, the two and three games can technically take place at any time over the next two weeks, all leading up to the matinee game of the championship Sunday in one month from today, March 8th, in Lawrence Middle School. Right now, we'll preview both first-round games because of the likelihood that both will be completed before next Sunday. Over the course of the uh, evening now, we're going to go through as many of the first-round games as we can, and those that we don't think we'll need to go through, we'll save till next week. 
So starting off with Hank and MTA. Hank picks up the four seed in the East after finishing 5-4-0-1 with a key win over North Shore and close losses to Hafter and Flatbush. The strength of the team this year has been the scoring depth and youth. Joseph Lindenblatt has led an offense of mostly undersized but talented forwards that have amassed 43 goals in nine games and probably would have had much more were that 10th game not canceled. Uh, That being said, MTA has relied more on the talent of its freshmen with Gabe Isaacs leading the way with help from sophomore Zach Borgen and netminder Jacob Boehm. Neither team has fared particularly well against teams over 500, as all of MTA's five wins came against Westchester, Hillel, and Ramaz, but the difference is in the tightness of those games. MTA has only scored three goals in the five games against those opponents. Critics will say that Hank hasn't fared much better, only scoring six, but the difference is that Hank was never blown out by double digits, as MTA was twice, even when they faced Rambam. Hank is just a bit too deep for MTA to deal with, and will advance with a win at home. I'm going to say the score that game is going to be 5-1. to one. Moving over to Hafter and JEC, this is a tale of two teams going in completely opposite directions toward the end of the year. JEC started out the year winning four of its first five games, then tailed off winning only two in their last few, dropping games to Frisch, TABC and SAR by a combined thir- uh, 17-3. Hafter, after looking for months like they would not make the postseason, reeled off four of their last six games, including tilts over Hank and Flappush. The strength for each team lies in different areas, as the Hawks depend mainly on the contributions of offenseman Jacob Kramer and defensive transfer Donnie Goldberg, while the Thunder have relied on the goaltending of Jason Silverstein and the contributions of a host of players on the scoring end, none having a better year than Alicia Schmutter and Arie Marcus, who fueled the team early on. Although the scoring has sort of tapered off, Silverstein has made whatever hasn't put up on the board stand, with no better example than the 3-2 loss to Frisch. He'll need to do as good a job against a half the team that just put a hurting on a solid goalie in Aaron Kuby, torturing him for five in the come-from-behind win with Flappish that we discussed earlier. To me, there's no doubt that Goldberg is the best player on the court for this game. If Silverstein can hold him and Kramer down, his teammates should be able to convert enough on the offensive end to make it count. I feel like Hafter, though, is hitting too well on all cylinders now and could pull off the upset, but if they allow the Thunder to get ahead of them like Flappish did, don't expect a similar comeback. I'm going to take JEC in a close one, 4-3. to three. Moving over to Varsity, the East came in with four of the five spots still left to be decided after DRS dropped Hafter in Hafter last Saturday night. Let's first give you the breakdown coming into the week. In the East, Hafter and DRS were tied at 22 points. DRS had the advantage at 11-2, while Hafter was 10-1-1-1. Hank uh, came in at 18 points, 7-3-2-2, their season over. North Shore had 11 points, 5, 7, and 1. Rambam and Flatbush each with 10. Rambam at 4, 7, 1, and 1, and Flatbush at 4, 6, 1, and 1. So this left a battle at the top with Hafter and DRS for the 1 and 2 seeds, and a three-team fight between North Shore, Rambam, and Flatbush for the last two seeds in the division. As expected, Solomon Schechter forfeited to Rambam, meaning that following a 2-0 loss to Heschel, Schechter has forfeited three straight games, taking themselves out of playoff contention. Further, the two points brought Rambam up to 12. As a result, the Ravens actually clinched a playoff spot due to Flappish only being able to tie them at the 12-point mark, with Rambam holding the tiebreak as a result of the 3-0 victory in Rambam, and despite the stellar scoreless affair that was played last week. So, for the Falcons, the only hope 
was to chase down North Shore. The Stars, one point up, hosted MTA on Tuesday night. The Lions, already relegated to the West 4 seed, would be playing without netminder Shooky Weinstein for the contest. The sides would trade goals with MTA tying the game at 1, only to see the Stars counter and take a 2-1 lead into the break. Bradley Lowy netted both North Shore goals in the period. In the second, MTA would tie it up and eventually take the lead 3-2, which they would carry into the third. That lead would not last long once the ball dropped, as Jonas Spielman deposited one into the bank in the opening minute of the third, and a week after tying Hank, Norshaw was 15 minutes away from walking out against a powerhouse West team with at least a point. But Norshaw was not content with hanging on and sweating out a playoff berth. Four minutes in the period, Lowy completed the hat-trick to put the Stars up 4-3. to three. Bailey Gracious would add an empty netter late to give Norshaw the 5-3 win and two points and the East number 4 seed, meaning that Norshaw will now host a play-in game against the West number 5 seed, an intriguing matchup that we will touch on very shortly. So with Rambam finishing at 12 points and North Shore at 13, Flopwich's postseason hopes were officially dashed heading into their game on Thursday night. The Falcons, however, did have a chance to play spoiler for Hafter. Let's remind you of the scenario at the top. Coming into the week, both Hafter and DRS had 22 points. DRS at 11-2 and, and Hafter at 10-1-1-1. This meant that any tie would go to DRS, because at 22, 23, or 24 points, the Cats would have more wins than Hafter. So for Hafter, the goal was to get the job done on their end against Flopbush and hope that DRS couldn't match in their contest with West Top Seed TABC. For the first three minutes of the game, the Falcons controlled play, frustrating the Hawks and forcing Hafter to use an early timeout. After that, the Hawks remembered how to play hockey, and Zach Kramer immediately put them up one nothing. Hafter would add three more in the second and two in the third to complete the 6 nothing victory. The Hawks were led by two from Gilad Kirstein, both in the second period, and two from Evan Fader, tallying one in the second and one in the third. Flatbush's season ends at 4-8-1-1 with 10 points. For the Falcons, the result has to be disappointing, given the strides that last year's team took. Uh, losing to Solomon Schechter and not picking up a win in the last game against Rambam really hurt their chances this year. A mirror image of the JV team two years ago that missed out on the playoffs by one point in a year in which they lost to YDE in overtime. For Hafter, the team awaited the news of what was going on a mile or so away in DRS. The Wildcats now needed a win to capture the division and would need to do so against a top team in the West, and at this point, not so much arguably the league, TABC. The way the game started, it did not look like Hafter would have much to worry about. Yair Noller got TABC on the board first, scoring in the first, and again early in the second for a 2 nothing advantage. The second goal seemed to have awoken the Wildcats, though. Shortly after, DRS cut into the deficit on a Leo Rubin goal, beating Rami Levine to make it 2-1. to one. Not too long after, Zach Fuchs, energizing the team since his return from an early season injury, made his mark on the scoreboard, tying the game up at 2. The, guy would, the tie would be short-lived, though, as TABC would go back on top off of a rocket shot from Shua Naor, and once again the Cats were on the ropes. TABC maintained their lead throughout most of the third, but with about three minutes to go, DRS on a power play on a hooking call to Buddy Wise. Yehuda Simon put one home from the side of the net to tie the game up at three apiece. Neither side could convert in the last minutes, and fittingly the game would go to overtime. 
for DRS, the extra session was something that they had experienced in this year, as they this would be their fourth and their second in a row. For TABC, however, this would be the first game to go past the 36-minute mark for them. In the fourth period, the goalies put on a clinic, stoning both teams cold for the five minutes, ending the game in a 3-3 tie. The tie means that Hafter will earn their first division crown since 2009, the last time prior to last year that the Hawks won the varsity championship. It will also mean that DRS will take the second seed in the division, potentially setting up for a rematch of this game with TABC in the semifinals in TABC. So the East is now set, and the seeds are as follows. Hafter the 1, DRS the 2, Hank the 3, North Shore the 4, and Rombaum the 5. Moving out west, here are the standings of the playoff contenders coming into the week. At the top is TABC at 12-0 with 24 points. SAR at 11-2-1 with 23 points. Kushner at 9-3-0-1 with 19 points. And MTA and Ramaz tied. MTA at 8-5 with 16 points. And Ramaz at 8-6 with 16 points. There was only one game on the week that involved two West teams that was played, and that was the Kushner-Frisch game that took place on Thursday night. The game was meaningless to both sides, as Kushner has the third seed locked up, and Frisch was shut out of the playoffs last week. Elon Sloan would score a hat-trick in this one, one of a few on the year for the senior forward, and Arthur Greenfield would add one as Kushner defeated Frisch in Frisch 4-2. So... With the accounting all out of the way, the West totals are finalized as follows. TABC's perfect season bid is denied, as they now have 25 points in first in the West. SAR is at the 2 with 23 points. Kushner takes third with 21 points, and MTA and Ramaz finish tied at 8-6, and six, with MTA taking the tiebreaker, giving them the fourth and Ramaz the fifth. So we're about to go through the last ranking of the year for varsity. TABC will finish at the top spot uh, uh, at the 1 after the tie with DRS. SAR will finish at the 2. DRS will jump over Hafter from 4th to 3rd because of the tie. Hafter will will drop back to 4th. Kushner will stay in 5th with a win over Frisch. Hank will finish in 6th, jumping up to 8th. Uh, after MTA drops from 6th to 7th with their loss to North Shore, North Shore will move up from 10th to 8th, jumping over Frisch and Ramaz because of the win to MTA. So North Shore will finish in 8th. Frisch will finish in 9th after their loss to Kushner. Ramaz in 10th. Rambam 11th. Flopbush 12th. JEC 13. Mag and David 14. Solomon Schechter 15. And Heschel 16. Interesting to note that Frisch is still higher than several of the playoff teams, only because of the way they played against many of the teams this year. They didn't really have many bad games, and a lot of the reason why they're on the outside really was due to one of, if not the hardest schedules in the league. So, the varsity playoff bracket looks as follows. In what we will call the TABC bracket, West number 1 TABC will take on the winner of East number 4 North Shore versus West number 5 Ramaz. Also in that bracket, East number 2 DRS will face West number 3 Kushner. In the Hafter bracket, East number 1 Hafter will take on the winner of West number 4 MTA and East number 5 Rambam. West number 2 SAR will have a rematch of a regular season game with East number 3 Hank. A funny note on that game, though, if they wait to see the result of Hank's JV playing game with MTA, the SAR-Hank game could uh, 
partly be scheduled as part of a double header with uh, SAR and Hank JV, an extremely rare event given the probability uh, and the rounds as both sides would, both games would have to coincide where both teams uh, are playing in the same place in the same, at around the same time period. So this is something that I don't know if it's happened recently. I, I don't, I, my, as good as my memory is, I can't really remember that happening for as long as I've been involved, but I'm sure somebody over the weekend is going to tell me that it has happened at some point. But if it hasn't, then it could be a very well be a first that we'll see after tomorrow night's game. Uh, on an, um, on an interesting note, before we break down the play in matchups, the regular season schedule is not officially done. TABC and Frisch still have a game on the slate this week, and it's apparently going to be played. Uh, running through the play in matchups, uh, the North Shore win over MTA robbed us of three repeat matchups from regular season games on the year. As I said, the Hank SAR game that is going to be played, the 2 3 game, is a repeat, and we'll get into that as that game comes around. Now we will have two completely different matchups for the two play-in games. The West number 4, MTA, will host East number 5, Rambam. Both teams have struck gold in net this year, with MTA's Shooky Weinstein and Rambam's Charlie Altman near the top of the charts in their respective divisions. The difference between the two teams this year is shown more in the fact that the team in front of Weinstein has held up uh, his goaltending in front of him in a much tougher Western Conference. The Lions won eight games, including a resounding 7 to nothing win over Hank, whom Rambam lost to in overtime. MTA also kept TABC close in both of their games that they played. Their defense has been the focal point, a grinding shutdown unit led by Zev Markowitz, extremely competent in their own zone. Uh, Rambam won five games this year, and has relied on their youth and speed offensively to boost them. The Ravens received a boost in the last few weeks of the season, gaining some new members, but the result has not matched the suspected impact. In the last four games of the year against Hafter, DRS, and Flappish, the Ravens only scored a total of three goals. The return of Daniel Kerman to the lineup following sickness should boost the offensive core, led by Avi Martin and Gabe Matechin, and Ezra Cinnamon's return should also help the Ravens on defense, but the difference between the two teams will be palpable in this match matchup. MTA has the advantage of all areas with the exception of goaltending, which is a wash. I give MTA the nod here 4-1. to one. In the other game, we now have an intriguing return matchup as Ramaz travels to North Shore. For those of you thinking, have we seen this before? The answer is yes. Two years ago, these two teams met up in the first round of the JV playoffs, also in North Shore, a game that Ramaz walked away from with an upset victory by the score of 3-1. to one. That year, North Shore was the East 2 seed, and Ramaz was the West 3 seed. Both teams had signature wins this year, with Ramaz at 8-6, and six, taking wins over Frisch and Kushner, and playing a close game with TABC, while North Shore at 6-7-1 and one had their biggest victory uh, with their win this week over MTA. The Rams have a spread-out contribution on the offensive end with Bradley Brecher, Adam Lassner, and Cam Volinsky, while the Stars have found their markers from seniors Bradley Lowy, Bailey Grejas, and Jonas Spielman. Interesting note, as for the second time in four years, Volinsky will be returning to North Shore to face a group that he played with in North Shore's only middle school finals run back in 2011. North Shore has had problems being consistent all year, but showed promise with their tie to Hank and win over MTA. Goalie Ian Horn has seemingly shaken off the rust that he showed at the start of the year, but the big question is how the Stars as a whole can do against a team that has played its best against the best teams, regardless of the outcomes. 
this game comes down to goaltending, and with the exception of the last two games of the season, Ben Emmerich has been the better option in net this year. I take Ramaz in a repeat victory, winning 4-2. to two. You are listening to The Court Report on the Nakam Siegel Network. We are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. I am your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the week in Yeshiva League Sports. We're now going to move over to basketball. We're going to start off in JV basketball, and we're going to start off in the West because three of the five games played this week involved the West and had an impact on their playoffs. Let's take a look at the standings heading into the week of play. SAR was in first at 9-1 and one with no games remaining. Frisch and MTA were tied at 7-2. and two. Ramaz at 5-5. Five and five. TABC and Heschel were tied at 4-5. and five. And JEC at 3-6. and six. There's a reason why JEC is mentioned, and this is really why. In terms of seeding, SAR had clinched number 1 at 9-1. and one. The 2-3 and three would come down to a game this week between MTA and Frisch. The winner would take the 2, and the loser would take the 3. And 4, 5, and 6 would be uh, a mix of 4 could either be Ramaz or Heschel, 5 either TABC or Ramaz, and 6 either TABC, Heschel, or JEC. So let's make some more sense of that. Let's start out at the top and work our way down. Tuesday night featured Frisch and MTA doing battle in the game to decide the second and third seed in the West. The winner would enjoy a first-round bye, while the loser would take on the West sixth seed as as uh, basketball differs from hockey, let's just re- let's just repeat what the difference is between the two. In hockey, there are five teams from each conference making the playoffs, and they have their first-round games crossing. In basketball, both JV and varsity, it's different. Six teams make the playoffs. First two teams get a bye. Three and six and four and five from same divisions play each other. After that, it's reseeded where top two teams are one and two. The highest winner from the first round is three. The lowest winner is four. And it becomes Olympic style, much like hockey is for the second round. And they cross over. So let's just get back to this. Um, So coming back to this, the winner of this game would enjoy a first-round bye, while the loser would take on the West 6th seed and have to play an extra game before heading east. Early on in the season, the two teams met up in MTA, with the Cougars rolling to a 55-38 win. That being said, one might have expected the two teams uh, fighting for such high spots in the division to get together for a tightly contested game. Uh, This contest was anything but close. Frisch busted out of the gate hot, and the Lions never stood a chance as the Cougars dominated them at home 63-27. The 63 points was the third straight 50-plus point game on the year for the Cougars, and the eighth overall, the most of any team in the JV West. The 63 points also stands as the largest margin scored against MTA on the year, second largest, the 55 put up by Frisch earlier this year. With the win, Frisch joins SAR in a bye as last year's top two Western top seeds, when the league was four conferences, find themselves at the top once again. Moving down to the battle of four through six, we knew Ramaz was already guaranteed either fourth or fifth. The, the result, though, would hinge on the outcome of the TABC Heschel game on Wednesday night. This would be the only time that those two met up this year, and with both at four and five, one team would wind up at five and five, while the other, depending on who it was, would be staring down the sixth seed or possibly worse. 
TABC came into the game already knowing that it had clinched a playoff berth, but looking for more, came away with the 12-point victory, 50-38. to For Ramaz, this was welcome news, as it gave the Rams the fourth seed and TABC the fifth seed, ensuring that Ramaz would avoid playing Heschel, whom it lost to by three to end their regular season. For Heschel, though, the loss was particularly devastating. After potentially having a shot at the fourth seed, Heschel was now dependent on Hillel to keep their postseason hopes alive in their game against JEC, as Heschel, now at 4-6, and six, did not have the tiebreak with the 3-6 and six thunder, thunder due to a four-point loss in December. Unfortunately for Heschel, you generally do not want to put your faith in an 0-9 team to do your work for you. JEC defeated Hillel 56-35 to wind up in a 4-6 tie with Heschel and jump them into the 6th seed in the West, sending Heschel packing onto their postseason. This sets up the following playoff matchups. The buys will go to number 1 SAR and number 2 Frisch while number 3 MTA will take on number 6 JEC, and number 4 Ramaz will host number 5 TABC. MTA played JEC once this year, with the Lions taking home a 45-32 win in JEC. The Thunder reached the playoffs despite being a sub-par 500 team, and MTA, despite its frustrations with Frisch, had been in contention for the West Crown since the beginning of the season, and should ride its trio of the Buckbinders and Yehuda Colton to a first-round win. For Ramaz and TABC, the one game they played this year was a one-point win by Ramaz in Ramaz. This being a 4-5 game, the difference in score tells the story of the difference between the two sides. Sam Reich and Mo Proctor, two of the best on the JV level, will make this a solid battle for Ramaz and TABC respectively, and a close one throughout. And speaking with several of my reporters who have watched the two teams play all year, they feel that if Ramaz can't contain Proctor, the Storm will walk away with this one. I particularly agree and I believe that TABC will upset, uh, and a date with Flatbush will loom on the horizon for them. Moving east, the two games on the week that were played were meaningless. Let's take a look at the standings coming into the week, though. Flatbush was at the top at 10-0 on a perfect season. Hafter at 8-1, North Shore at 7-2, DRS at 5-4, and, and Hank, Rombam, and YDE all tied at 4-6. and six. So these were the teams that stood to be in the postseason, and in that order, as far as I believe. Obviously, we have one extra team there, but I'll get to that in a second. So, Flatbush definitely has the one, Hafter definitely the two, North Shore the three, and DRS the four. By all calculations, Hank should have the five, and Rombaum the six. This week, Shari uh, Torah lost to North Shore 43-37. I, I talked last week about what would have happened with a four-team tie, and with all that, I sort of thank the Lord that it didn't have to come to that, because it was a very confusing calculation, and I don't know what we would have actually used had we needed to go to an actual four-team tiebreak, because the website only goes up to a three-team tiebreak, so I don't know if anything would have had to have been done differently in a four-team tiebreak, so that was all pretty much conjecture. In the other game on the week, DRS and Hafter finished up the regular season last night, with Hafter defeating the Cats to up their record to 9-1, and and dropping DRS to 5-5. Five but again, nothing doing to alter the standings board. So here is our field for the postseason in the East. Number one, Flatbush, and number two, Hafter, will get buys. Oddly enough, Hafter is the only newcomer to the top of the charts, now occupying the spot uh, last year held by eventual champion DRS. The first round games are as follows. Number three, North Shore, I believe, based on our calculations, uh, 
obviously the Hank Rambam YDE uh, three-way tie. I believe North Shore will host Rambam. Uh, I believe that Rambam will get the sixth seed, and number four DRS will host number five Hank, meaning that YDE will be left out despite being tied with the other two. North Shore and Rambam met once this year, with North Shore winning by seven. I believe that game will go as expected and as it did early on in the year, but the other game is going to be a doozy. During the regular season, the Hurricanes hosted the Wildcats and defeated them 46-42. to This was their only game uh, that they won in a five-game stretch to end the regular season. I say look for the home court to make a difference here for the Wildcats, as they should advance. Moving over to Varsity, we'll take a look at the East first to help wrap up their playoff situation. Here are the seed situations as they start. Hafter at 14-0 at number 1. DRS at 10-3 in the second spot to begin. North Shore at 9-4. Mag and David at 7-5. YDE at 7-6. Hank at 5-8. And, and Flappush at 4-8 at 7. So let's go through and see exactly how that wound up. The first game on the week did not provide us with much clarity at the middle of the pack, as YDE wrapped up their Hattori season 74-40. The Bulldogs finished at 1-13, with the lone bright spot being the numbers put up by sophomore Adam Matovich. Matovich led the league in points per game and posted the largest point total on the year, dropping 52 against Rambam. We look forward to seeing what Matovich can do for the Bulldogs in the future, potentially a turnaround of the program similar to what Nathan Beebe helped Hillel do following the same feat. The win put YDE at 8-6 to end the season. We said last week that YDE and Mag and David were automatically meeting each other, but the only question was who would host the game. With YDE at 8 wins, Mag and David needed at least one win to force a tiebreaker at 8-6, and six, but with two wins could avoid a tiebreak altogether and pull down the home game. So, for Mag and David, the path was clear. Actually doing it would be even harder, and the game they played Thursday night showed it. Hank gave the Warriors all they could handle for not four, not five, but six quarters in the first of what would be two double overtime games late in the week. The game went into double overtime before the Warriors were able to pull away, winning 52-49. to So once again, we were deadlocked at eight wins. Back to a position of uncertainty, and ready to do the tiebreak scenarios if that was what was needed. Uh, that would come down to last night's game, a tight paddle between Mag and David and MTA in a game that was pushed off from two weeks ago because of the snow. But the difference in the game would be, as he had been all year for the Warriors, Jack Shedbar, the standout senior, led the Warriors to a 49-38 victory, putting Mag and David into the four seed, setting up an all-Brooklyn battle on McDonald Avenue for the right to advance to face one of the West top seeds. The other battle in the division was a race for the sixth seed between Flatbush and Hank. By the time of Hank's game with Mag and David, the Hurricanes knew their fate, so indulge me for a little bit as I do this in sort of reverse order. With the Hurricanes losing and dropping to 5-9, and nine, all Flatbush needed was a win to clinch a playoff berth. The problem? Flatbush's last game involved Frisch, the Western Division regular season champion, pushing for a perfect season. Frisch stepped out of the gate early, opening up a 32-14 lead at the half, and never looked back. Benny Tuckman led the Cougars with 17 points, while Tyler Hode added 10 in a 61-38 drubbing on Flatbush, ending the Falcons' postseason hopes. In addition, the game also served as the championship of the inaugural Varsity Rubenstein Memorial Tournament that was started a few months ago, but could not be continued because of scheduling issues. That being the case, the sixth seed went to the Hank Hurricanes. 
who the Hurricanes would face. That they also knew by the Mag and David game, but again, indulge me on this one. The battle for the second and third seed would come down to one game between DRS and North Shore. Coming into the game, DRS held a one-game advantage and a win over North Shore. A win would make it academic, as DRS would have 11 wins to North Shore's 9. However, should North Shore win, both teams would have 10 wins, and after tiebreak calculations, North Shore would actually emerge with the second seed and the bye. In the end, it would be a game as close as the distance between the two teams, as the final result would be a two-point margin, with Gabriel Leifers 13 leading the way for DRS in a 30-28 win. The win hands the Wildcats the second seed and forces the defending champion North Shore Stars into a hosting gig against Hank in the first round. Again, that will be the 3-6 game. The 4-5 game will be Mag and David hosting YDE. Hank and North Shore met up once earlier this season, with North Shore downing the Cavs 40-30. Expect Cody Cohen and Josh Heck to tackle the Hurricanes in the battle of the two former Elliott Steinmetz teams. In the other matchup, YDE and Mag and David split the season series, with YDE winning 46-42 in November, and the Warriors winning 49-48 in late December. Shabar and YDE's Elliott Elo had a spirited battle in that one, and should wow the crowd once again. Look for YDE to overcome the road trip and advance. Going out west, reminding you of the standings coming into the week. Frisch at the top spot at 13-0. TABC behind them at 10-3. Those two spots were pretty much wrapped up. Heschel at 8-5. Hillel at 8-5. Ramaz at 7-7. And JEC at 7-6. Again, we already know about Frisch's win to put them at 14-0, as we just mentioned, over Flappers. So their perfect season is done. Number one seed locked up. Get the bye. TABC at 10-3 had already been assured of the second seed. The only two games on the week featuring two West teams would determine the rest of the seedings. Like Drake, we'll start out at the bottom. Hillel and JEC did battle Tuesday night with the situation as follows. A JEC win would move the Thunder ahead of Ramaz and into a tie with Hillel. Despite the regular season split, Hillel would still hold the tiebreak, so JEC would finish fifth and face a rematch with the Heat in the first round. A Hillel win, and JEC would be relegated to the sixth seed, and we'd have a whole different discussion regarding Hillel. You know what? Let's have that discussion, because the Heat won their third in a row and swept the season series with JEC, upending them 59-42, to meaning that the bottom of the league was set with JEC in sixth and Ramaz in fifth. Now we at the top. Because of Hillel's win, they found themselves at 9-5, and a win up on Heschel in the race for the third seed. Heschel still had one game remaining with TABC. A TABC win, and Hillel would jump over Heschel into third place to face JEC again in the first round, and relegate Heschel to fourth. A Heschel win, and they would automatically get the third seed. From the outset, the Heat played with urgency, amassing a 14-point lead at the half. But, in the second half, TABC was able to cut the lead down using 23 points in the 16-minute stretch from Moshe Brum, who would finish with 26 on the night. And down three with six seconds left, then playoff would drill a three-pointer to tie the game and send it to overtime. We would remain tied for another session, but in the other second overtime game of the day, I'm sorry, of the week, Heschel would take a three-point lead and would not relinquish it, closing out the game by the score of 65-62. to Michael Gattan scored 22, and Jonathan Granowitz added 17 for Heschel in the victory. So here are our West playoff teams. Getting the buys are Frisch and TABC. The matchups behind them, number three Heschel hosts number six JEC. That game will take place Tuesday night 
In their only meeting of the season, the game that opened up the season for both teams, the Heat walked away with a 73-60 win. Granowitz had 19 for the Heat, and Akiva Shulman of JEC led both teams with 20. JEC actually had an early lead in that one that Heschel was able to overcome. That was three months ago. Expect Heschel to not fall behind, and expect them to win handily. In the other game, number 4 Hillel will host number 5 Ramaz. In their only meeting of the season, Nathan Beebe dropped 16 to lead Hillel to an 11-point win over Sammy Merkin's Ramaz Rams. Expect an early exit for last year's league champions as Hillel advances to take on Hafter. We are now going to take a look at the Jewish Groups American National Top 25 for last week, the week of February 2nd, 2015. Frisch holds the one spot again. Um, coming into last week, apparently the voters saw the error of their ways, and Hafter is now back in the number two spot. Um, I guess this is after Hafter had defeated North Shore, and DRS lost to Frisch, although DRS losing by five, in my opinion, probably shouldn't have changed much, even with Hafter's win over North Shore. So the truth is, I think this is more of a makeup of the last couple of weeks, because Hafter now magically has three first place votes, DRS has none. I'm not really sure that there was enough there for DRS to lose them, especially to Hafter. Definitely to Frisch. Frisch picked up a couple of first-place votes, now having six, as opposed to the four it did from a couple of weeks ago. But I don't see why, if people thought that DRS is better than Hafter one week, Hafter's win over a four, and DRS's close loss to a two should have shifted one over to them. So again, I, I'm, I guess this is just me splitting hairs with the with the uh, pollsters for the Jewish Hoops America Top 25, but I'm at least happy to see that Hafter is in their rightful spot at the number two spot, with DRS behind them rightfully at three. Dropping from fourth to fifth is North Shore, as Eula moves into the fourth spot, Again, the only non-Yeshiva League team to hold a spot. Completing the top ten, there are two more Yeshiva League teams. Heschel jumps over to ABC with the uh, overtime, with the double overtime win. Heschel now in seventh. Oh, actually, well, they were ahead of them to begin with. They were in sixth last week. TABC moves up from ninth to eighth. So uh, a little bit of a uh, little bit of reverse action. Heschel uh, was at six and now is at seven. TABC was at ninth and is now at eighth. A few more Yeshiva League teams also join the fray. At 13, uh, for another week, is Hillel. Behind them at 18th is Ramaz. 19th is JEC, both teams dropping back slots. Ramaz from 16th to 18th, and JEC from 18th to 19th. And also in the top 25, their first week in the top 25, is YDE. Behind them are Flopbush, Megan David, Hank... And that's pretty much it from the Yeshiva League. Before we move over to girl sports, I want to mention that last night, the 2015 Sarachek tournament teams were announced, uh, the tournament kicking off on March 19th at the Max Stern Athletic Center on Yeshiva University's campus. The following 20 teams have been invited. Uh, Akiva Hebrew Day School from Detroit, Michigan. Atlanta Jewish Academy from Atlanta, Georgia. Beth Tefila Dahan Community School from Pikesville, Maryland. David Posnack Jewish Day School from Davie, Florida. Fuchs Mizrahi School from Cleveland, Ohio. The Hebrew Academy of Montreal. Ida Crown Jewish Academy from Chicago, Illinois. Maimonides School from Brooklyn, Massachusetts. Rabbi Alexander Gross Hebrew Academy. Rajji from Miami, Florida. 
Robert M. Barron Academy from Houston, Texas, Shalhevet High School from Los Angeles, California, Valley Torah High School from Valley Village, California, Weinbaum Yeshiva High School of Boca Raton, Yeshiva University High School of Los Angeles, Eula, and Yeshiva at Orachayim, Toronto. They will be joining a group from the Yeshiva League, including DRS, Hafter, Hillel, Frisch, and MTA. So, looking forward to another brilliant tournament this year. Eula getting to defend their crown. Frisch looking to uh, looking to avenge last year's loss. And teams like Hafter looking to make another name for themselves. This all happening a few days following the Yeshiva League Championship. So let's move over now to girls sports. We're going to start out we're going to start out with girls A and we'll start out in the East as it's a much more simple analysis. North Shore defeated Central 38 to 30 to begin the week and Flatbush down Hank 50 to 27. This makes things academic as Hank can only at best tie North Shore for the fourth spot, but North Shore holds a tiebreak as a result of the two wins that they hold over the Hurricanes. Flopwich is now tied at seven wins with Hafter, but holds a tiebreak due to better percentage versus playoff teams. So regardless of what happens in Flopwich's final game with Hank, Flopwich is locked into the two seed. So the East looks like this. Ramaz at the one, Flopwich at the two, Hafter at three, and North Shore at four. Flopwich and Hank are playing right now, and the Canes will then play Central tomorrow night to finish out their season. Out west, a wild finish to the division. Bruria locked up the number one seed with a 49-41 win over Hillel. Senior co-captains Nicky Bick and Michal Hyman would pace the Lightning, who led by as many as 10 until midway through the fourth, when Hillel made a late run to close the gap to within two. The Lightning regained their bearings and pushed the lead back out to eight, which would end up at its final, again, of 49-41. That made things academic, as this put them at 10-2, and two, with Frisch at 9-3. and three. SAR could only, at best, tie Frisch, which they did after their 48-37 win over Mayanote. But Frisch holds the tiebreak, meaning that the West looks like this. Bruria will finish at the 1 spot, Frisch at 2, SAR in 3rd, with Hillel and Mayanote tied at 5-7, and seven, with the tiebreak going to Hillel, taking the 4th spot. So, our matchups for the playoffs in Girls Varsity A are as follows. In the Ramaz bracket, as we'll call it, East number one Ramaz takes on West number four Hillel. West number two Frisch will battle East number three Hafter. And in the Bruria bracket, West number one Bruria will host East number four North Shore. That game will be played Thursday night. And East number two Flatbush will take on West number three SAR. Moving over to Girls B, well, we have ourselves a three-way tie officially, folks. SKA and Bruria have the one and two locked up, but with Mag and David and Shalhevet losing to Bruria and Ilan losing to SKA, Ilan, Mag and David, and Shalhevet each wind up at six and six. Ilan was oh so close to deciding things and ruining SKA's perfect season in the process, but lost by one twenty-four to twenty-three on Thursday night. How things will be handled will be determined over the next few days. Before we move on, let's just take a look back at the games from the week. Again, Bruria defeating Mag and David 34-27 to actually turned into a very close game in the fourth quarter. Mag and David, trailing by 12 with about six minutes to go, went on a run to take the lead 25-23. Bruria would regain the lead at about the four-minute mark and would outscore Mag and David 11-2 the rest of the way. The next night, Bruria had its last game of the season and opened up with a 16-0 run against Shalhevet. The lead would blossom to as many as 
as 28th as they would go on to dominate Shalhevet, pushing their record out to 10 and 2. Moving over to the JV League, JV is all set. The West came into the week all settled with Mayanot, SAR, Frisch, and Kushner set in that order as 1-4. through four. In the East, though, Flopperish defeated Central 45-32. to 32. This means that Flopperish is at 8-2. North Shore also reached the 8-2 mark. As we said last week, that doesn't matter. Flopperish should hold the tiebreak according to how the playoffs are structured on the league site, giving the Falcons the number 1 seed and North Shore the number 2 seed. At the bottom of the division, Hafter holds the three seed at four and six, while Central occupies the fourth seed at three and seven. The playoffs are as follows: In Maya Notes bracket, West number one Maya Note will host East number four Central. East number two North Shore will host West number three Frisch. In Flappish's bracket, East number one Flappish will host West number four Kushner, and defending champion West number two SIR will host East number three Hafter. So that about wraps up our look at the last week of the regular season and our preview to the first week of the playoffs. Thanks for listening in. Over the next week, like I said, several of the games will be played. Uh, those that we previewed will probably be played, and we will be ready to take a fresh look at the new matchups that those that those games create. So next week when we come back, we'll have the recaps of the games that are played this week, even those that we did not mention because we don't know the dates. And next week, we'll be able to start looking ahead towards the second round in most cases. We'll get a fresh look at those, and we will take a look at anything that we feel might be important for you over that next week ahead. For this week's Word from the Wise, we're going to go back to John Wooden. And as we approach the playoffs, I think that this is very necessary. Enjoy the present hour, be mindful of the past, and neither fear nor wish the approaches of the last. How does that apply to the playoffs? Well, what this is essentially telling us is that we need to enjoy what we do right now, but we cannot live and dwell on the past. That being said, when you get to a playoff, the records are thrown out the window. Everybody is 0-0. Zero and zero. Everybody is undefeated. Everybody is still looking for that one win that game. So when you get to the playoffs, you cannot live on what you did in the regular season. You have to live in the here and now, and you have to win this one game. Because if you don't win this one game, it doesn't matter what you did all season. You could have gone 14-0, and had a perfect regular season, led the league in scoring, had the most goals, had the most baskets, made the most saves. But at this point, it doesn't matter. Because all that matters for you right now is to win the game in front of you. The only way to advance to the next game, and the next game, and the next game, is to win the one you're in. Because in the end, the ultimate goal is the championship. But the championship isn't won by the accomplishments of the regular season. The championship is won by the accomplishments that you have now in front of you in the playoffs. And the only way to get there is to win the game at hand. Nothing that you've done is going to get you there. So be mindful of the past, but don't dwell on it. Good luck in your battles. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can also catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., 
or you can find the court report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, JM in the AM with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 AM, live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the like tab. Let's get that number up. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com